0: Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Good morning, My City Church. Come on, come on. Church is alive. It's moving. It's well. It's going. It's doing something, and you guys are not feeling it. I don't think you guys are ready for tonight. For today, but what's gonna happen? Matt Clark, I saw you with your hands at your side. You need to start clapping, man. You got a thing that's on you. You guys think I can't see you back there, but I can. I watched you. I know who I gotta attack today. Come on. Come on, come on. Guys, can we get over for Pastor Kelly and Pastor Eli one more time? You can do a little bit better than that. Come on, we gotta bring some honor in this room. Get on your feet. Let them know you love them. Come on. We are so honored by you guys. I I want you to know that uh, uh, not only your friends and family with you, your teams with you, this church is with you we're ready to go. I, I was uh, in first service. I was standing back there uh, and, and, and I felt like God reminded me of a, a story to perfectly encapsulate the, the spirit of uh, Pastor Eli. And uh, this, uh, this last year at Men's Conference uh, 2020, we're, uh, we're in the last like, competition game. And uh, I, I'm, I'm a little ashamed to say that we were, we were not the winning team. We, we knew going into this last competition, but here's what we also knew. We could take another team down, and we're like, all right, if we're going down, we're going down hard. So uh, we're, uh, you know, we're playing tug of war, and like, you got to line up like six guys, and so we, we go, all right, so hey, you're going to be the anchor. You kind of just sit there, and then you're going to do this and this, and then I'm kind of pointing out, and Pastor Eli goes, yeah, let me be at the front. I'm like, Pastor I don't think you remember. You have shoulder problems. You're an old man. <laughs> Uh, and, and he's just like, no, I, I got to be at the front. And so this is here. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my best, Pastor Eli, for you guys. Um, for those who, this is your first time here. Um, you'll see it next week. And it's a whole lot of this motion. <laughs> and he comes up and the rope's on the ground. And like, again, he has kind of a shoulder. So he, he grabs the rope and he wraps it around his arm and then just stands there. By the way, no one else has grabbed the rope. Uh, <laughs> you're like, what do you, and he just, he's ready, and he's going. And it, well, we found out there that, uh, that one bicep of Pastor Eli is like the strength of a normal man. And, and that man's oh! like, <laughs> Man, can I tell you that that's the type of leadership that you guys carry. I don't care whatever defects, whatever things I have on me. I'm going to lead from the front. I'm going to wrap the rope around. Before anyone else does it, I'm going to stand right here, and I'm going to pull the rope. So all I need you to do is when I say pull, you go. When I say move, we move, and we're going to win, and we're going to take over, and we're going to invade, and we're going to do things. And, man, I'm so proud that we got a leader that isn't afraid to stand on the rope and pull, even if you got to do it by yourself. But thank God you don't. Thank God you don't. I don't know if you guys can tell, but uh, I'm ready to preach today. We, gotta, we got things we got to do. Uh, if it wasn't so hot, I wouldn't be wearing a jacket. I uh, sweated through, and uh, nobody wants to see the pit stains, so you'll just see me flop sweat up here. I, I, I swear I'm not nervous. I'm just, I run warm. <laughs> Pastor Adam and I, it's, it's the Irish in us. Uh, we, just, we, we run warm. And I, I'm excited. I feel like God gave me a message. Pastor Jerry, God gave me a message. He gave me long before decisions were made, long before thoughts were even coming. But he said, man, there's something that needs to be spoken in the church. And, and I've been thinking as I've sat in the same seat that you guys are sitting right now, and I, I heard amazing messages from, from Pastor Eli. I heard amazing message from Pastor Clyde on what's worth dying for. And man, I, I felt in my spirit that It's great that we're talking about worth dying for and everything that you guys have said is absolutely God is worth dying for. People are worth dying for. But can we talk about someone who died for it? So today I want to tell you a story. And let's actually take it a little deeper. I want to tell you about a murder. Yeah, you feel that? We got to talk about what's worth dying for then we got to talk about who's died for it. Because if it's just a theory, then it stays in the sea. If it's just a theory, it stays on a page. If it's just a theory, it stays in your head, never goes anywhere. Let me encourage you today, January 8th, 1956, a man by the name of Jim Elliott and four other men are sitting in a shallow riverbank in Ecuador, waiting for a tribe of people that the local natives called Alca, which means savage. What they're actually called is the Waurani, And they're waiting for this tribe, and, and this tribe is known to murder anyone that would interact with them. 100% homicide rate, 100%. And these five men stand in a river waiting, waiting for them to come. Three women walk out of the jungle and they greet them and give them a sense of safety and security, but to their surprise, they were expecting a lot more. They're expecting something else to happen. They're expecting the tribe to come and greet them and come with open arms. Instead, they get three women. What they don't see is behind them is the 10 while Ronnie warriors waiting to kill them. Today, I wanna talk to you, I wanna give you this story. I wanna talk to you about what God does through his church We're going to talk about the story of Operation Alka. Operation Alka. Let's pray. God, I thank you. I thank you that you were speaking a thousand messages right now. That God, as you've called us to to not just come to church, but be the church. God, I pray that this message reaches our hearts deep down, God. God, you know what? Go past the heart. Go to the soul. Go to the character. Talk to the very creation that you brought us out of the dust, Lord God, and the breath that you've given us. Speak to that today, God so that we walk out of here, not the same people, but God, we would have to disobey you to not use the message that you're giving today. God, that conviction, let that be on our hearts as we hear you, what you have to say, and in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, guys, give it up for Reeve. Such a good looking dude. <laughs> yeah, he's taken, it's not, not fair. Um, Reeve and I, the two studs of My City Church, taken. <laughs> I don't know why people are laughing, Reeve. it's uh, rude. Um, you guys are rude and I don't like it uh, and I'm leaving. Um, <laughs> I'm excited to talk today. I'm excited to give you guys this message because God's doing something big in My City Church and, and, and it has nothing to do with leadership. Can I tell you that? Uh, and, and I hope at the end of this you feel something and, and some of the things that you felt, I wanna bring some validity to it. Some of you, this is your first time here and you walked in and you went, man, it's a little warm. There's something different here. I, I, I can't really, I don't know. Let me tell you what it is today. Let me tell you, I wanna talk about Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott, he's this, this brilliant man. I mean, when you think of like the all-American hero, it's Jim Elliott. Like it's this guy, it's that guy you know that you like on Instagram that looks like their life is all together. and and then you meet them, and you're like, something's gotta be messed up about you, and then you meet them, and they're still perfect? That's Jim Elliott. It's annoying. Um, Jim Elliott's the guy you should be jealous of, but he's so, like, a great person that you end up, like, going, like, I'm not even mad at you for how good of a person you are, Man, this is, it makes me actually feel worse that I should be mad at you. What's going on? And this is Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott has two amazing parents. He's born in 1927. He's got two older brothers, a younger sister, and he grew up in a house where his parents encouraged them to be adventurous. Man, I love that. That's the house that, babe, that's the house I wanna build. I got three boys, I wanna encourage them to be adventurous, man. I don't want them to be settled within Nebraska. Man, I want them to reach Nebraska, but I want them to have a world mindset, an adventure mindset, and this is the type of parenting that Jim grew up in. And he was that all-American hero, he played football, he wrestled, he was a baseball player. Man, Jim was the man. And at the age of 22, he was known to journal, and what's great about Jim, and the reason why we can talk so much about him is he wrote a ton of stuff, and he wrote a lot about his life, and so you can go back, and you can read, and you can see the heart and the character of this young man turned old man turned God man. And in October, he wrote, uh, he wrote this famous thing in 1949. I want to show this to you. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, gaining that which he cannot lose. At 22, he writes, this is no fool who gives what he cannot keep, gaining that which he cannot lose. I think there's an easy interpretation of this, and it's generosity, right? We, we look at the, the first important word there, give. And in a, in a church where we are generous in action, and we are a generous people, I don't wanna take away from that, but man, if we stopped at generosity, we would really just get part of the bigger picture of what, what Jim is even trying to describe right here. I, I love, whenever you read Jim's journals, you can actually see he expands his thoughts with written scripture. And he writes this underneath this verse. He writes in Luke nine twenty four, and he says, whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life will save it. What? I mean, we read it in the Bible and you go, oh, because it's in the Bible, I should just go, yeah, that's good. That's insane. That is a weird thought because in the losing of something, I would gain something. that, That doesn't work in any other part of the world, society. If I lost money, I didn't gain money. But in the kingdom of God, when you lose something and you lose it for him, you gain so much more than you would ever see before. And this is the thing that Jim understood. He understood that this was more than generosity. This was life and death. That whoever would give their life, whoever would lose it, would gain it. And this, the 22, man, he understood this. There's a fancy word in, in Christian. It's called martyr. Who's heard the word martyr before? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, it's kind of a famous word because it's used in a lot of cultures, a lot of people attach the word martyr, because just the the Webster's dictionary definition of it is just someone who's persecuted for a belief system and possible death, and and, and so we, in the Christian world, there's been so many times since the the Christian faith has existed for so long, and it stood the test, and and it's been around, there's been martyrs for the faith, but I want to tell you that the, the word martyr, most of us only correlated to the word death, and that is not what it means, Literally, and we're gonna open up the dictionary as wide as we open up the Bible today. You guys with me, come on. Martyr in its original Greek just means to witness. Did you know you're called to be a martyr of Christ? A martyr of Christ, what does that even mean, to be a witness of Christ? You see, witness is one of those funny words, it's both a noun and a verb. Because you can witness something, Josh. You could look at something and go, oh, church or I could be a witness to something. Hear what I'm saying in this, is that if you saw something, and you are a witness to it, you have a direct responsibility to share that knowledge with someone else. And and, and the, the word witness, where we see it the most, right, is in court. And can you imagine someone who saw a murder, they saw a murder, and then they came and said, will you stand on the witness stand? And they said, no, I'm too afraid to talk about the murder. And you will let someone get away free because you won't share what you know. You were called to be a witness. And you came to church and you witnessed something today. You didn't need me to preach. You witnessed something today. What are you gonna do with it? Let me put it really simple. You are a witness. Everyone here, believe it or not, you are a witness, but are you going to be a witness? You are a witness. Some of you need to feel this right now. I can hear I can feel the tension right now. And you're like, I didn't come to church for this. Too late. <laughs> Listen, you you were here. It's your fault. You walked in. <laughs> what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Jim Elliot, when he was a witness to his family's life, a life that obeyed Christ, that was driven, that was called to live in a Christ-centered focus, and he said, I'm gonna go do something with it. And and this is a Jim Elliot. So in, in 1950, he begins, the summer of 1950, he begins his missionary work. He begins his witness work. He says, I know too much. I gotta go tell someone else. I know too much. Someone else needs to know who doesn't know. I was benefited, I grew up in the free country and I gotta go to people who don't know that God is a free God. So he begins. And he begins working with this missionary in Ecuador and the missionary starts talking to him and he's like, hey, yeah, here's these people and here's this people. Here's how you translate this and, and, and you're, you're gonna wanna write this and you're gonna meet new people in different dialects and he's, he's training them. Hey, you're gonna be out in the, the, the woods for years so here's actually, you're gonna have to be in the tribe so you're gonna know how, you're gonna have to learn how to hunt. Isn't that crazy? Like, that was what missions work was, was you were actually part of the people. You didn't just come in to, like, hand a pamphlet. What this missionary tells him, he goes, hey, here's all these lands, but hey, you're gonna be tempted, but there's this one land right here, there's these alka. Don't don't worry about them. Because every, Jim, hey, Jim, every time someone goes there, so many people have tried, Jim, I, I love you, man. So many people have tried, but every time it's 100% homicide. It's 100% murder. Every t- I've lost too many friends, Jim. Don't do it. I know you're gonna be tempted because you're a good Christian, but don't do it. And this is the response of the missionary. And if you read, if you read Jim Elliott's, his journals, he he's, has this tension in him where he's wrestling with, I know what God has told me to do. And he's hearing about this missions work in India and he's going, is it Ecuador? God, is this missionary trying to give me a message to go to India? He writes home to his parents and his parents write back, Jim, have you considered coming back to the United States? Maybe just, Jim, we're not saying missions work is done. We're just saying maybe not in the season. Maybe not right now, Jim. I love, I love Jim's response to this. It honestly reminds me of Pastor Clyde. If you met him, you know exactly. I'm gonna, you're gonna hear this. this is, he describes the American church as well-fed. As someone who ate Chipotle yesterday, that feels good. Well-fed. Isn't well-fed like a comforting phrase? Like, that's good. My house is well-fed. Man, I'm a provider for my home. My wife is well-fed. My, my friends and family are well-fed. If you're in my world, you're gonna be well-fed. And Jim, man, Jim, this guy. Man, you wanna hate him, but you love him. He goes, no, nah, they're fine. That's not what I'm called to. You see, Jim says, I'm called to a Matthew 25 type of life. And let me read this, this is Jesus talking. He says, for I was hungry. And what? You gave me something to eat. And I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came and visited me. Then the righteous will answer him. The, the church, the my city, the people doing the good work. Don't hear this. This isn't even God like, bringing any type of condemnation. He's actually trying to uplift you in this. And the righteous, the people of my city will say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When did you see as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison to go visit you? And the king of all kings, the Lord of all lords, Jehovah, Nisi, Shalom, the Alpha, the Omega, will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. You did for me. This is the type of of well-fed understanding that Jim understood. So September 1955, come on, we're going through some dates. You guys aren't gonna remember these. There'll be a quiz afterwards. Host team will pass it around. See if you were taking notes, it's open book. Jim and four other men begin their missions work. They begin their missions work. Pastor Kelly, I love this. What they would do is they would get in this plane, and the plane is a four-passenger plane. If you remember, there's five people. And if you know anything about four passenger planes, it actually really only fits three. And so five grown men stick it in like this in this plane, along with supplies, because what they start to do, I, this is so, it's, the, by the way, this is the creativity of God's people that no matter what, I'm going to reach somehow. And, and so what they did, instead of being like the rest of us where we would just jump into the pool, they, they, they test the spirit. They, they go, what's going on here? So what they do is they, they load up a basket and instead of landing, they would circle the plane around an open field area and they would lower a basket filled with supplies and different things for this tribe to let them know and pictures of who they were. So when you see me, you'll know. You'll know what this looks like. And five men for two months are lowering this basket down and, and, and doing something and, and bringing this. I, I, I wanna tell you the names of these guys because it's important to me that we remember the martyrs. We remember the people that are witnesses. We remember not just the Jim Elliots, but I wanna tell you about Nate. Nate's their pilot. He's a World War II vet. Man, Nate's probably one of my favorite guys in the story. I love Jim, but, but Nate, the way he's described is he just wanted to fly airplanes and share the gospel. Man, what a passion, right? Like, man, I don't need anything. I, I don't need all that. I just need you to be passionate. I want you to do what you do, do the thing that God called you to do, and then just praise his name in the middle of it. What a good life that is. What, a, what an amazing life that would be. There's Ed. Ed was studying to be a lawyer, and at the same time, he was a hotel clerk. And so Jim met him and was like, hey, Ed, you wanna come on missions? He's like, better than being in a hotel clerk. There's Pete. Pete and, uh, and Jim went to college together. He was a philosophy major, Pete was. Um, and, and get this, uh, some of this is gonna sh- like wreck someone's world right now. He broke off his engagement to go share the gospel. Man, I wish I had time. I wish I had time to be able to share with you all the stories that are affected by this and and the response from the woman he was supposed to marry and the love that she has for the work that he did. There's Roger. Roger's the last one. He was a paratrooper. Come on. Jumping out of airplanes. It's my dad, the guy who said, come on. (laughs) He jumped out of airplanes. It's a man that goes, "Eh, I'm not walking into battle, I'm jumping into it. That's a courage. That's a person and he understood as soon as he touched ground, he was so full of fear. And God spared him in this battle that a chaplain within his unit came up to him and brought him to the saving grace of Jesus. Roger couldn't be the same after that. He couldn't do it, he tried. He tried to go back home and work, and he just couldn't do it, so he had to go do missions work. So he partnered up with Jim. These five men are doing this. Can you, I don't know if you guys heard this, um, but I, I didn't give any of them a title can I tell you, church, uh, God doesn't need a pastor, he needs your passion. And I get it, I I get it, I've been in the seat, I'm with you, there there are weeks that I come in here and I'm like, you know what, I need some borrowed passion. I I need to come in, because I'm not feeling it in worship right now, but can I tell you that that is not God's intent for your relationship with him is that week after week you would just keep backpedaling and then the one day you would step one foot forward and eventually you find yourself so far away from God that you're like, I'm not sure how this happens and you take six steps back and only one step forward. And you're working off the borrowed passion of a pastor but these men didn't have a title, they didn't need permission. They knew what God called them to be, which was a witness Isaiah, in chapter 6, he writes about a similar call to ministry. And he writes this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, send me. Not here they are, send them. Not here I will be, send me then. Here I am, (laughs) send me. Some of you need to start like... Bringing a little bit of the house of God in this place. Because you sat for so long waiting for someone else to do something in your life. And he's saying right now, here I am. Send me. This is a message that God is speaking today. Church, and if you walk away from this place, not changed, why did you come here? Can I just be honest? I'm done doing church where we just sit. I'm done doing church where we're just hoping for a building, but God's going to give a building. And That's not an arrogant statement. That's, I'm going to continue to do God's work. If I'm being faithful in this, why would he not bless me in that? Or we can just come to church and witness it. Send me. Send me. Send me. Send me. Send me, January 8th, 1958, at about 3 p.m., the five men, they're waiting in the water. And they have all the hope in the world that they're gonna carry out the thing that God called them to do. Not a doubt in their mind, not a worry in their hearts. They have all the hope they're gonna do exactly what God called them to do. And as they see the women, the people that they've interacted with before, they have safety and security. Anybody feel this? That there's a moment where you're just like, yeah, I'm still doing it and I feel safe and things are working and I'm, I am going against the naysayers. They thought this couldn't happen, but look at me now. To their terror, to their terror, Jim walks forward and is the first to be speared and he dies and it's, Quickly after, the other four men are killed. Their bodies are then tossed into the river and they float down. A little time later, the way that their family and their friends find out that they are killed is their bodies wash up onto the shore. Romans eight thirty-five. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For it is written, for your sake, we face death all day long and we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No. In all things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Church, I need you to feel this next verse right here. For I am convinced. I am not worried. I am convinced. I am not second-guessing. I am convinced. I don't have doubt. I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. And we can read a message like that and feel comfortable in our nine to five. But man, God's called you to be adventurous. He's called you to do something. And he's called you to be the type of person that stands in the gap. It says, I'll be in the river. I'll stand in the river. Two years later. Oh, you guys thought the story was over. Okay. Okay. Two years later, Jim and uh, the pilot, Nate, they had, they had wives. Jim's wife was named Elizabeth and, and Nate's wife was named March. And two years later, they, pick, they take their families, um, young boy, young girl at that time, and they go back. They go back to the tribe that killed their husbands. And they begin to finish the work their husbands started. Within 90 days, the homicide rate drops 90%. People now start coming and interacting with this tribe, and no one's dying, and when somebody do, it's a mistake, and it's, and it's, and it's brought to the attention, and there's, and there's grace and redemption in the, in the action of someone who didn't know what the truth was, but now they know, now they know. A little bit later, man, this is in 1963, the daughter of Nate, the pilot, is baptized by two men from the Waorani tribe. Isn't that so good? Isn't that so good? Come on, can you believe the grace that's on that moment? Man, that's so powerful. Man, you guys thought the story was over. Silly you. God's still doing big things. One of my favorite things about this is that the two men that baptized her were among the 10 that killed her father. That shouldn't happen. But it does. And it does because somebody said, I'm gonna be a witness. I'm gonna be the change. There's something worth dying for. and, And whether I am gonna die or not is irrelevant. I know what life is. And life not following God is not worth it. I'm telling you, Elizabeth Elliott, she writes this. She says, there is nothing worth living for unless it's worth dying for. Five months ago, um, Pastor Eli, you sat, stood right here, and you stood at a similar stage downtown Omaha in the slowdown, and you had to do one of the hardest things I think you're ever going to have to do in your life. You had to look at our church and read a letter. And that sounds silly for those who have been a part of the journey, but, but months ago, we went through a change of leadership and there was, there was tension in our world and there was, in this church, we, can I be honest, we were sitting in a riverbank, not sure if we were gonna live or die. And on that day that you presented the truth to us, you said these words. You said these words. Could you bring that up for me? My City Church will continue to be a place where people can love God, love people, and lead in life. We understand that this church is in a difficult time, however, God is not done with the people of My City Church. This church was never about a person, but a people, a people who are part of God's mission. And in a time where a nation is in disarray, we continue as a biblical representation of the body of Christ to spread the message and love of Jesus Christ throughout this city. The stance of your pastoral team is that we will move forward with the best of our abilities. And we believe we were, are, a call to build God's church. No matter who is coming up against us or behind us, we are called to build today. And therefore, as your pastoral team, we are preparing and walking with you on this new journey. Can I tell you what God's done in five months? Can I tell you that the story didn't end at something that looked like death, but it continued on. In five months, we've had 144 first-time guests. We've had 295 salvations in this room. 990 people at prayer. 3,100 people at groups. 3,100 people tithing. 2,906 kids in my city kids. 11,073 people in this room. Man, you thought the story was over. You thought the story was done. You thought it ended at death. This was the beginning. Church, you asked me what's worth dying for. I want to let you know you are a witness, but are you going to witness? What's worth dying for is that you were a savage in an isolated world and God sent his son to you. Now go do the same, go do the same. Don't walk out of here comfortable walk out of here seeing the hurt and the pain in this world to follow christ is to know his suffering to partner with him and his suffering isn't pain it's that people wouldn't know him it's that the people that do know him wouldn't talk about him but you are a witness today it's your fault you came are you going to witness are you going to do it church we're going to sing a song today We're gonna sing the song about a Jesus who's got a power behind him. A Jesus who who didn't stop at death, but death was just the beginning of his ministry. A Jesus who promised you that he has something more for you today. Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.